This is an Area Code podcast. You're listening to The Table of Malcontents, where Aaron Armstrong, Dave Schrader, and Barnabas Piper talk about the books they love and a few they really don't to help you be a better reader. Books and podcasts are always best with a great cup of coffee. That's why we've partnered with Ligaris Roasters to create the Table of Malcontents blend. And guys, it's delicious. A smooth Brazilian roast that will make your heart happy. Head over to LagarisRoasters.com to order a bag or 12 today. Hey everybody, welcome to today's episode of Table of Malcontents. I'm Aaron. With me, as always, is Barnabas and Dave is still on vacation. He's been on vacation a long time. I know. It feels like it's been two weeks. It's... You know, it could be longer. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. He just sort of disappears for long stretches. It's he's true. he's erratic. It's not entirely reliable. He's uh, you never quite know exactly how he thinks of you. He's kind of feline like in that way. A little bit. You kind of oh. wonder if he's going to come back every time he disappears. <laughs> you know. I would make sort of a predatory joke, but I feel like that might be crossing a line. So we'll just leave that out. Yeah, that would be crossing a line for sure. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Well, that, that would be a little much. Ignore that was said, listeners. Never, right. never happened. I mean, what was said? I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. We'll just we'll just bleep it out later or something, maybe. I don't know. No, just leave it in. Yeah. I mean, well, no. there's nothing to leave in. I don't know. What yeah, that's right. What are you bleeping out? Yeah, exactly. Like, what? Sh- what happened? What happened now? Who are we talking about? I oh, don't even know. What are making, we talking about? We're comparing Dave to a cat. Is what we're doing. <laughs> which is always, which is always fun, of course, for us. You know, you take on the characteristics of your favorite things and the ones you spend the most time with, so it's only fitting. It's true. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I know. Now, he, I know. He occasionally texts us pictures. Of a, a dog that he claims is his. Yes. He says his name is Bear, right? Yeah. So. Real creative there. Yeah. Like, uh, I'm just going to pick mm. another animal and slap it on this animal. Yep. And except his cats, he talks about like they have like personalities, personalities feelings, characters, and... you know, like yeah. they have, I don't know what their names are, but I think they're named after like literary figures or something. And his dog is like, look, he's sitting. No, Dave, that's a stock photo of a dog it's a different dog every time like last time it was a labradoodle this time it's like a yellow lab you kind of stayed in the same color family but you know get your facts straight if you're gonna to try to trick me that's right you don't have a dog there you're not go. a dog person cat lady anyway, <laughs> anyway what are we talking about today anyway well uh we are actually going to do a little bit of listener q a today so we solicited some questions from our friends via the twitter and um, that is always a great thing for us to do. Um, and so it's we, a risky thing. It is a risky thing because, I mean, we can get some dud questions and there's always a danger. Yeah, there's a couple crazy people on social media. So I've heard. Uh, uh, there are rumors that there this is. Occasionally there's contentious things that happen. Uh, words are, words are t- shared. Hurtfully. Occasionally as well. Yeah. So it's risky to go on to the social medias and ask for things. Yes. But we to decided. Expose to, yourself to the madness. That's right. But we decided to be vulnerable through our podcast <laughs> account at Malcontents Pod, by the way. And if you're not following that, well, then, come on. Yeah. What do you. Come on. What, 
You must be new here. We'll yeah. give you credit for for being a new listener, and thank you for listening. Yes. Now, now go follow. And us. make sure you leave your five star. You rating can actually and do review. it while you're listening. It won't interrupt anything. Absolutely, it'll be great. So, um, so we asked we asked our friends on uh, on Twitter. Uh, to give us a question or two for us to tackle on this episode, and uh, and you guys came through. You came through. You got we got some interesting ones here. Um, our first one comes from an anonymous account, though. I'm not sure how I feel about this. Mm-hmm. It is a question about what we were just talking about, actually. Oh, <laughs> that's right. What were we? What were we just talking about? Well, we just spent a little bit of time uh, questioning Dave's uh, integrity and his honesty about having a dog. Mm-hmm. We often refer to Dave as Cat Lady Dave. He gets cat-related gifts from our listeners and from his coworkers. Yeah, like repeatedly. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Through many channels. That's right. It's not like one person repeatedly gives him things. There's, we've had. It's many people there, at many times. M- there have been books of stories about heroic cats. There have, which is it's all lies. Uh, well, of po- course, poems about cats, which sound a lot like they were written by that one lady mm-hmm. who has like the velour sweatsuit and thirty-seven. Cats. Yep. And says she writes poetry. Yeah. And she smells a little bit like cat urine. It's that. It's that. It, the book has that aura about yeah. it. Um, what else? I think there's been some. some there's some pillows. Yes. Yeah, I'm gonna say there's some visual art pieces. Yep. Some office decorations. Yep. That's right. Yeah, there's a lot going on. To, you know, to confirm Dave's utter and complete dedication. Absolutely. To cats. And and a lot of it is coming from people who know him best, his friends and coworkers. Mm-hmm. And so. So we got to give some respect to that. But the question is, have we played out Cat Lady Dave? Has it gone too far? Is it time to drop it? Drop what? I mean, that's like saying, should we drop Dave? (laughs) Right. That's a problem. We can't drop Dave, can we? I mean, we're doing just fine without him. Well, at least for these two episodes. I mean, he he does bring some good things to the table. Does. Lots of, like, I read another war books comments. He does love his history and his World War II. He sniffs a lot, which, <laughs> I mean, it gives you something to do as you're editing the podcast. Keeps it keeps you on your toes. Um, he claims he's writing a tell-all about the publishing industry, which, you know, occasionally yeah. adds a touch of humor to things. Yeah. What else does he do? He, he reads sports books. Yeah, so he gives you guys something to talk about. listener Anne from a previous episode is not as keen on, but some yeah. people like them. Apparently. Um, what, I mean, I don't know. I'm just trying to put things in the scales here and figure out if... I understand the question is, should we stop making fun of him? The answer to that is definitively no. Uh, so then the question is, if we're not going to stop, is it just like, is the best way to handle this just to remove him? And the answer is also no. Okay. Yeah. Well, why? That's what we're trying to get to is what's the – why not? Well, <laughs> well, the, 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 the nice the, – the real – I mean, well, one, he's got the most connections in the, out of everybody um, in terms of publishing people um, that we can – that we can yes, we can go and talk to. That's fair. He's brought that's a couple fair. guests here and there. That's, I mean, he, he did bring one that you're still kind of bitter about. Yeah, that one – but that's why I'd like to get rid of him. That was, that was I, you know, <laughs> that's a good point. The knife is still sticking out of my back. He occasionally just gives it a quarter turn, for good measure. 
Yep. Uh, yep. I was sorting through things I had removed from my office here when did I did you find your changed. autograph picture and of I, you? I did. I was like, hey, who's that <laughs> scary looking kid? And I was like, oh, it's me with an inscription from Life Anger because Dave and Aaron are jackasses. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's a touch of bitterness. I'm not functioning from a totally objective place about Dave's I contributions. That. I understand that. Um, so I guess the bottom line is, no, we're not going to stop making no. fun of Dave. Well, he's also much nicer than either of us. To other people. Well, yeah. Not to us. Well, of course not. Um, and so we're not going to stop making fun of him. The cat lady Dave thing is... I mean, it, it is it just, who he is. It just is. Yeah, it's not going anywhere. No. You can keep lying about his <laughs> pretend dog and cuddling with his urinating felines, and we will continue to mock him for it. That's right. And he can leave the podcast whenever he's sick of it. But so far, I think he kind of, I think he secretly loves it. I think so. I think so. So, Dave, thanks for your question. We really appreciate that. Here's the thing. I'm sure he's listening to this (laughs) while while walking his cats and pretending they're dogs at like 5 a.m. Yep. And he's trying to text us mean things, but my phone is on Do Not Disturb, and I'm not listening. Uh, and he's just swearing loudly, and I hope the cops get called on the strange man walking his cats, cursing as he strolls through green hills. That's that's what I want. It's... Yes. All right. Next question. Next question. All right, so once again, Dave, thank you for your question. Feel free to ask one anytime. Yeah. If not, we'll come up with questions for you. It'll be great. That's right. That's right. Dave asks, how does one read a book? All right. So this one comes from Andrea. Andrea C. asks, have you ever deliberately destroyed a book? Mm, I've thrown away a lot of books. Mm -hmm. Um, I especially throw away any advanced reader copy. Mm -hmm. I hate advanced reader copies. Mm Mm-hmm. So for listeners, those are the those are the books that are pu- like they're printed a limited run for marketing purposes before a book is actually released. Yep, it's usually not the final typeset and edit. There's, yeah, there's there's occasionally typos. There's no endorsements. Usually, there's... usually the cover treatment is cheap and whatever. Because I mean, the, yeah. the goal is to just get them in people's hands for reviews and things like that. I get sent some of those when I worked yeah. in publishing all of six weeks ago, yeah, I, I got them with regularity and I despise them because mm-hmm. I like real books because I like the artifact of a book, the yes. quality, the feel, all of it. Um, I have thrown books across a room. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever burned a book. And I can't remember like tearing a book. Like it, yeah. The funny thing is there are books that I abhor – yeah, and there's still this visceral like I don't want to rip pages out of it type of thing in my heart. Mm. So, I think I just have a strange affinity and affection for the item of a book. That you, you mean we fa- we found something that you feel sentimental about? Is that what just happened here? Is it sentiment? I mean, I mean it certainly includes some of that, but yeah. it's not like a warm fuzzy as much as it is like a. This is a thing of great value. Right. So I'm I'm not morally opposed to the destruction of books, but maybe I am because I don't do it mm. ever. You? There you go. I have. Oh, tell us more, Aaron. 
Well, there there's various kinds of destruction. So I've uh-huh. so there's um, so like you, I have thrown books across the room before. Yeah, that's not um, destruction. That's but I mean, just, it's just well, I mean, it can cause property damage. But uh, yeah, usually it damages other things. Yeah, or so people, but I mean, it's or still small animals. But it's still therapeutic and it's yes. still helpful yep. to do. It's cathartic. Um, you know, you you need to get that out sometimes when you're reading something that's just complete garbage. So um, if you've ever read a Brian McLaren book, you know what I'm talking about. I did it too. The um, last one I remember throwing was a Greg Boyd book. Same same genre. Yeah, same genre. Gen- general so, theological nonsense. Yep. Yep. So um, so I've so there there's those ones. I have defaced a book um, a missiology book before. Um, that someone encouraged me to read that was just utter tripe. It wasn't by Ed Stetzer, was it? It was not okay. an Ed Stetzer book. It was not an Ed Stetzer book. Just checking. Yeah. No, I appreciate you checking me on that because otherwise I'd have to I'd have to edit out this portion of the show because Ed would text me later. But Ed uh, does not listen to this podcast. Oh, I know he doesn't listen to this podcast. But I'm sure that there's just something here somewhere. <laughs> He has this room bugged. <laughs> Seems possible. Every room is bugged for for mentions of Ed. That's right. <laughs> for various reasons. For various reasons. Because reasons. So um so no, it wasn't one that he that he recommended or that he wrote. Um I don't even remember the t- title of it, but I was I was reading through the thing and I was crossing out entire pages and writing notes about here's why you're wrong. Um, I just wish that they could actually hear me through my writing on their book. But uh, but I want to know what book this is. I'm trying to remember what it was called. Boy, if you I'm sure it'll it, come to me after. If you hated it that much. It was like the shaping of things to come or something like that. I've heard um, of Let me look this one. It was up. Hirsch and Frost. Alan Hirsch and Michael Frost? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So that's one. Um, I have... I have torn apart um, certain books, um, particularly if they are advanced reader copies um, that are just so complete garbage yeah. that I I could not in good conscience let anyone have a chance at reading this. Um, See, that that is the one downside of not destroying books. Mm-hmm. My compulsion to not do so is that it does run the risk of somebody else reading this stuff. Yes. So that's I'll, that's when I'll throw books away. Yeah. I mean, that's destruction. But, but I mean, I do it before I throw it in the garbage. Okay. Yeah. So, like, it's, so it's like chopping up a credit card that is, you know, essentially, whatever. yeah. You're like, it's like stealing my info. Nobody's reading this garbage. That's right. Whatever it is. Yeah. I. So there are books that are so bad in my mind that I wouldn't like. Like I won't take them and trade them in at McKay's or donate them to Goodwill. Because I'm like, no, because then somebody else can read them. I would like to not have anybody read this. For example, The Notebook, a yes. book that listeners may have may recall we had a – discussions probably too genteel a word for it. It was <laughs> more just Rant, vent, venting rave. about how much we hated it. Yes. I Yeah, I don't know what – I don't remember what I did with it, but it ended up in a garbage can somewhere. Mm-hmm. So I mean that's one that I think it ended up with a garbage can right outside the studio. Actually. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it did. Um, I don't know what happened to my copy. I hope I tore it up already. If not, then maybe that will be the. F- your, if I find it in my house, your 13 year old daughter is reading it. She is definitely not reading that because she has much better taste than. Uh, that's right. She'd read like two pages and be like, "Dad, what is this nonsense?" She'd be like, I "Can't even write sentences." 
Dad, this sucks. I mean, speaking of which, my daughter is fascinating. She found, she used in an essay that she was working on this word that actually was the first time I had read it. Yeah. Um, it was, it's the word amain. How does it, how is it spelled? A-M-A-I-N. So it's an archaic word. Sounds um, like, sounds like, uh, something that monks would sing for amen. But it's not. So it means, um, with all one's might or to in great haste or full is speed. Is she reading like Chaucer? No. I'm not sure. Sh- like she. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. You sh- I mean, I suppose you would know if she was reading Chaucer. I mean, I would be impressed if she is. Yeah, seriously. So good for her. But, uh, but I mean, she is. she's doing some stuff where uh, she is trying to pay attention to the period mm-hmm. um, in, which she is, w- in which she is writing. And so she's trying to use vocabulary that would be appropriate for that yeah. time. Um, and so I got to respect that. That's really great. Um, so that's why I say, no, she's not going to be reading trash like the notebook. So, um, and if I did, and if I ever caught her with it, she would be grounded for life. Um, okay. Yeah. So there we go. Sorry. There's, there's a word that I read speaking of words yes. that I had never heard before. And it was so amazing and wonderful. It was, uh, what is it? Ah, there it is. Have you ever heard the word separating? No. Okay, so this is from uh, former former guest on this podcast, author extraordinaire, uh, KB Hoyle. Ah, uh-huh. and so it's from it's from her series of books, uh, the Gateway Chronicles. It's in the book The Oracle. Okay, she describes something as an ugly separating wound. Ooh, and when I read it, I immediately was like, "Ugh, that's disgusting," and I love it. <laughs> so then I looked it up, and it basically means like oozing pus. So it's a mm. it is like an oozy, sucking, like pussy wound. So that's S U P P U R A I T I N G, A T or A G I N G. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, and yes, it's, to, uh, yeah, to form or discharge pus. Hmm. So this Gross. doesn't have anything to do with destroying books at all. This is just sheer appreciation for words that I didn't know. Right. And this is in a book aimed at like young readers. So right. we're talking like 10 to 15-year-olds or whatever. My daughters learned the word separating, which is they thought was just delightfully disgusting. Yep. <clears throat> so, yep. yes, that was – a yeah. sidebar of things I no, things right. I love. See, I don't love pus necessarily. No, but, <laughs> but the words. But the description of yes. it is always enjoyable. Absolutely. Um, so one more that is a is a favorite word at the Armstrong House. Okay. Um, is defenestrate. That's a good one. Yeah, and just means throw out the window. Yeah. But it is great. So um, you'll often catch Emily, my wife, using that in uh, in an appropriate context. Yeah. Yeah, then there then there are the words that sound inappropriate but are not. Mm-hmm. Like uh masticate. Mm. Chewing. Yeah, it just yeah. means chewing, but it sounds strikingly similar to things that are awkward to talk about publicly and somewhat <laughs> shameful. Um, um thespian. Mm-hmm. When I I was in high school and I heard people describing the drama club as thespians. I was like, well, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> didn't know that it really did make sense. 
um, and I yep. was just being kind of a bigoted jerk. Yeah. Um, came to find out that it actually really truly made sense as well. So th- those kinds of words are fun. You know, you find yeah. the ones that are that sound like you're insulting somebody That's right. or describing something dirty, and then rape, you know, it's not. Yeah. No. We there should you. we should keep a running list of these. Absolutely. Or listeners. Send us your – add us your favorite yes, ones. Yes, hit us up on Twitter and let us know your favorite words that sound like something else entirely. Yeah, that's right. That's right. All right. So next question. What are some of your favorite international authors? So this is an interesting one yeah. because that can be taken a lot of different ways. So are we talking – Well, you're Canadian, so – I know, so – Most of most of the best authors are international for you. Well, I like a lot of – I don't like a lot of Canadian authors. Yeah, but I mean, how many are there? you got like – There's 14, a few. Like I mean, they usually people. end up getting big in the States, so it's right. like bands. Um, you know. Interna- favorite international authors. Uh, I mean, we've talked a lot on here about um, – why am I blanking on his name? Beartown. Frederick Backman. Frederick Backman. Um, Stieg Larsson. Mm-hmm. Um, Joe Nesbo's good. Mm-hmm. All of them are Scandinavian. Yep. Um, Scandinavian authors, I mean, I don't know that you can paint a broad picture about Scandinavia in general, but the authors who have made it big, the ones that I've read, there's all just sort of a, like there's a bleakness and a darkness to their writing. Mm-hmm. They really, really excel at writing terrible villains who you hate. A ton, yes. which is great. Yes. <clears throat> um, who else? I mean, have you ever read uh, any Mordecai Richler? No, okay. I haven't. Right. I mean, British. You'd like him? I feel like British authors barely count because, like, they started it. True. You know, at least the English language version of writing kind of came from there. But, yeah. So I don't know if we can call them international because I mean, they they were foundational. I mean, you still kind of. I think you still kind of can. So. Yeah. So, um, and I mean that that automatically puts us into um, a lot of classics, right? And, I mean, that's and classics like and, that. and yeah. present day. I mean, there's just there's a long list. Yeah, of, and we've talked about lots of them before. So. Yeah. The, what's interesting about this is, I, my guess is there are thousands, mm-hmm. millions, but at least thousands of really exceptional international authors who don't write in English. Which means that either we miss the quality of their work because of translation. Because it's hard, it's hard to translate uh, into English well in a way that carries the same sort of artistic quality, mm-hmm. or they just never get translated at all, and so they're they're fantastic for like you know, Tur- yeah, Turkey or you know India or something, and we miss them. Yep. Um, <clears throat> did you read? Uh, did you read anything by Douglas Copeland? Which one's Douglas Copeland? So his one of his most famous books was Generation X, which is where actually the name for the generation came from. I don't think so. Yeah. So uh, Tales for an Accelerated Culture is the subtitle. Okay. Um, that's one of his most famous. Um, he also wrote um, City of Glass, Miss Wyoming, God um. Hates Japan, All Families Are Psychotic, um, Hey Nostradamus. I've never heard okay. of any of those. All right. So he's a Canadian author yeah. as well. Um, On the Christian side of things, there are some exceptional Australian authors too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark Sayers is really good. Mm-hmm. Wrote Facing Leviathan, Disappearing Church, 
handful of other books. Both of those are really good. Mm-hmm. There are there's a, a number of exceptional Australian scholars as well. If you are more theologically inclined, um, there's I mean in on, yeah. in the scholarly world, I think this the scholarly side of things, the international publishing market is a little bit more flat. Mm-hmm. You know, on the popular trade thing, there's such a cultural aspect to it yeah. that. Uh, that international authors have a hard time breaking in. Yeah. And American publishers often don't like to publish uh, international authors because they like people who can market in in their in their market. Right. You know, they can be present to promote. And right. They, I know that there's there's a, there's a few African authors. Yeah. Um, uh, who wrote things fall apart? Uh, Chinua Achebe, mm-hmm. um, and so yeah. forth. So yeah, I mean those those come to mind. But the by and large, I gravitate towards Scandinavian novelists mm-hmm. of of very current day. Yeah, English classics are great. Um, yep. and then yeah, there, I'm sure there's a ton more that I'm just not aware of. Oh sure. Well, and I mean that's one of the things. Like, if there's any any place that we can all be growing is is experimenting with international international works. <clears throat> but um, to I will broaden say, our perspective, yeah, I think the world is shrinking. Mm-hmm. So, over the course of the next several years, there's going to be an influx of better books from people who are unlike who are, who are not traditional American authors. Yes, which is great. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. A couple more, um, and you should go check out these guys. All right. Um, so I mentioned Mordecai Richler. He's a uh, uh, was well, he died in 2001, mm-hmm. but he um, was from Quebec author and journalist um so um very interesting stuff that he did there is also will ferguson on the more the history side also a canadian author he um there's a book i loaned to dave that was called canadian history for dummies um and it's really really great (laughs) yeah yeah and so but he's got a series of essay collections okay. i guess that are that are about how to be a canadian and, and you know and they're really they're really just love letters to canada right um and so that but they're hilarious um and that some would, of them actually are be a good name for a book too yeah they're they're really good they're really good i like i like them a lot um so we have one more question if you could write the history or tell all of anything, what would you choose? So what would be the anything be? So we know oh, that Dave's man. working on his tell all. Of publishing? Of publishing. Christian publishing? Christian publishing. Look for man. that in 2037. That's, that's, a, that's Talk about a book that will make people jaded. Um, man, the history or tell all of anything. Mm-hmm. Dave and his cats. No. <laughs> Speaking of things that will depress people. Um, do you have thoughts on this? I'm, I'm, I've been thinking about this. So, and I mean, I've had the advantage of, I've been able to sit on this question for, you know, a little while. Right. And you, and I'm still struggling with it. Yeah. Um, I think, so when I think about this stuff, Mm -hmm. my, my answer gets skewed because of people like Michael Lewis, Mm. because Michael Lewis finds kind of the untold stories of fascinating characters who did big things that nobody noticed. Yeah. You know, and and he tells them better than anybody else. Mm-hmm. Gladwell kind of does the same thing, but he does it with like an agenda. Yeah. Oh, a little hard to tell what the agenda is sometimes, but 
That's because he's Canadian. A, there's a so. narrative slant. Whereas Lewis is just usually kind of like, this is what happened and nobody noticed. Um, whether it was Moneyball or uh, The Big Short or whatever. He's, yeah. He's written a bunch of books. Um, so when I read when I read books like his, I'm like, man, that would be amazing to find that, to do the tell-all of that sort of thing. So like I think, okay, this would be an interesting one. The mm-hmm. Rise of the Megachurch. Ooh, that could be interesting. The Or this is one I was just – and edit out this if you need to. But the rise of like the Falwells and the religious right. I think a, a rise of the religious right could be – like just in general yeah. would be a very fascinating kind and, of And thing. that's true. It doesn't have to necessarily be around Falwell Sr. or Robertson, yeah. although they were the seminal figures. Yeah. I, but the thing is I want to know who the, the non – like who the seminal figures were who are not known. Right. Who are the who are the lever pullers? Because there is never a movement without shadow figures, mm-hmm. intentional or otherwise, making things happen. Power brokers, and that was a political power group. Yeah, it still is. Yeah. Um, and and its tendrils are, in you know, very much in political power today. So I think that would be a fascinating one. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody needs to write that. Not I mean, me. I, I mean, I keep thinking of ones that would be a little bit depressing like so if someone wrote a tell-all on um the christian mm-hmm. music industry that would be one that would just be yeah. soul crushing for a lot of people yeah it, it could never happen because it would it would require either unauthorized accounts of things or honesty neither of which you're going to be able to do sure i mean you it will not, because you will, it would literally not destroy get, an entire industry yeah it would just it would if people knew this, the business and character side of so much of the Christian music industry, they would be like, oh, first of all, it's barely music, which some of us are aware of. Yeah. Second of all, it's definitely not Christian. And it's just a cesspit. Yeah. It's exactly what you assume like the rock and roll or the hip hop or the country music industry are. It's exactly the same yeah. thing. It's just that they figured out how to market like pseudo Jesus with – three chords and a puff of smoke there you go there you go what else okay so uh, another category so, another category of this is the small like the the hillbilly elegy type yeah. of thing the the family memoir yeah that is um indicative of an entire collection yeah. of people yeah and i don't know what that would be but see here's something this may be controversial here's one that i would be interested in if i could write something on that's more of a history of or tell all or a snapshot into is the invisible immigrant experience. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, that's me, right? Like, so I'm more or less, I mean, it's only certain words that people can tell that I'm not an American. I, I, yeah, I mean, to, to put it more bluntly, it's the white immigrant experience. And, th- and that's my point. That's why yeah. I'm saying the invisible immigrant experience. And yeah, I mean, and that's at the risk of at the risk of getting overly political. Not a thing I'm afraid of doing, but yeah. not necessarily a good fit on this podcast. All of the immigration talk yep. in the country is about the closing of borders or the deportation of not white people. Yes. Um, and, and, and so that is a, a great difficulty for me in in certain respects. 
I mean, I'm a big fan of following the of like doing things above board on mm-hmm. in immigration, all that kind of stuff. Right. We're not going to get into this deeply, but I think that there has to be real conversations that are are outside of like rhetoric and making people yes off. Yeah, and and I think I think that would be a really fascinating one. Even just. I, subtle cultural differences mm-hmm. encountering that. So I'm not a big fan of books like Americans go overseas and like the self-discovery or like, man, this place is so beautiful. Like, well, of course it is. They yeah. have 4,000 years of history and you have 400. Yeah. Um, but the people who come to America and seamlessly integrate, like I would say you've seamlessly integrated into America. For the most part. But also I'm sure that you feel the friction of difference daily, weekly between – how we do things in Canada, how we do things here, how mm-hmm. whatever, whatever, whatever. Yeah. I don't even know what those things are. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I think that would be an interesting one for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that that would be where I would go um, with something that would actually hopefully be an entertaining read. So publishers who are listening, we know that there's at least one, maybe two. That one. Yeah. And that one you have that one you could actually just write. Yeah. All the other ones require research. Here's the thing. I don't like research. I hate no. research. So I will never write a tell-all of anything because the people who write those are the ones who love the hunt. They love the interviews. Mm-hmm. They love chasing down the story. They love figuring out where the threads of the story are. And honestly, those people often will be like, the, inter- the that part's the thrilling part. The writing part is the grind. For me, right. I'm like, oh, no. The writing, the writing part is the-, the stuff. The research part I'm going to outsource <laughs> or, or I'm, it, that is the grind. I hate yeah. that stuff. I wonder if you could, um, I wonder if you could outsource all the research on something like that to someone else. I think you could only like a docent reset. Uh, I don't group. think you could outsource like that. I think you could yeah. co-author oh, okay. one person excels at this and one person. So one person excels at the, the crafting of a narrative. The other person excels at the, mm. the gathering of the content but you have, but there has to be a single voice to it, and that's where the the co-authoring comes in because like you're you're feeding off yeah. of one another. I don't think it would work to be like, hey, you guys go gather this, mm. and then you put it together, because then you just you mm-hmm. run. I mean, well, there's a th- if you it's run not, the risk of plagiarism. You well, there's plagiarism. Yeah. There's um, you don't understand tone of voice. Like mm-hmm. part of what makes these things rich is so when you read Michael Lewis and he describes a situation, he's not just quoting words he's describing how he's describing the agitation the look in the eye of like when i said when i asked this question he reacted with like a visceral disgust kind of thing and you're like oh you don't get that from outsourced interviews yeah that's a good point that's a good point all right so uh listeners thanks for those questions those were those were good ones for us to i like the last one a lot yeah it was a good one because it uh it was it was sort of a creative out of left field question yeah that i hadn't thought about yeah so i didn't give credit to the the people asking our last two questions so i apologize um so we're going to do that now so the international question international authors question came from joanna rose so thank you joanna for that and jordan henrickson gave us the gave us our last question there um, so, guys, thank you for for giving us those. If you've got more questions that you want us to answer, we would love to hear from you. So just uh, just give us a shout on Twitter, and uh, we will find ways to work them into the next episode. So, um, Barnabas, what are we reading? Um, 
So I've heard for forever mm-hmm. about – so I love – I like sort of fun – just fun thriller fiction as a supplement to books that demand more intellectual or spiritual attention. Yeah. And I've heard forever about Daniel Silva's books. Interesting. Um, he has – he. I don't know what all he writes exactly, but there's a whole series of novels built around a Mossad agent named Gabriel Alon who's a hitman slash spy – uh, and so I I wanted to listen to them on audiobooks because that's the thrillers are fun and it's but I I can't find the first one in the series anywhere on audiobook. I mean I hmm. think it's on Audible, but I don't want to pay for it because mm. I'm cheap and discussed previously library cards expired, kind of handcuffed on that front. Tragic experience. Yes. Um so I noticed on Amazon a couple weeks ago that the first one is called The Kill Artist. Mm-hmm. Was on sale for Kindle for two ninety nine, and so I bought it because three dollars is not spending money. It's like losing loose change, um, and so I'm about two thirds of the way through that, and completely understand why people love Daniel Silva's writing. He he writes a spy novel with great pace, mm-hmm. and not like when you read Baldacci. There's just a lot of like kind of clumsy description and overdoing it it's like so the reader doesn't have to think this one sort of pulls you along draws you in makes you wonder creates enough suspense um it's it's really it's a really well done spy novel and i look forward to i think there's like 20 in the series now Mm. so i like finding a series that i'm like oh i can do this for the next year and i can knock out 20 of these things there you go very nice I like it. Well, I am uh, I am just getting – or just about to start Adorning the Dark, Thoughts on Community, Calling, and the Mystery of Making by one Andrew Peterson. So, See, I I would start that one mm-hmm. except that I only have an advanced reader copy. I know. And I don't read those. <laughs> this Because I like Andrew Peterson and I think he's such a good writer and thinker, I will mm-hmm. find somebody – who would enjoy this one, mm-hmm. and I will pass it along, but I will not touch that book until I have the real thing in my right. hands. It deserves the treatment of a real book with pen in hand, not an advanced reader copy with, on, like, newsprint. Well, see, here's my plan is I'm going to read the advanced reader's copy, and then I'm going to read it again. I don't read a lot of <laughs> books again. I read some books again, but not a lot, and okay. I don't know that it's good enough yet to know if I'll read it again. So All right. we'll see. Well, I will read it. Yeah, there you go. There you go. And, of course, that is a uh, B&H title that's coming out in October. So yeah. uh, so go find a place to pre-order that because it'll be good. And we'll actually include a link to it in the show notes so that you can pre-order it using our Amazon affiliate link. Mm-hmm. Um, By our, he means his. That's right because that helps pay for this show. That's right. So it is It is supporting the show. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So, Marcus, thanks for chatting today. This was fun. Been a pleasure, All right. as always. Yes. All right. So now we are going to get out of this hot, you, hot studio. Do you think Ooh. that in Dave's absence, something tragic has happened and he's passed away <laughs> and his cats are now devouring his body as cats do? I sure hope not. Yeah. I'm afraid. That'd be really, that'd be really sad. Dave, to... if you listen to this, <laughs> would you give us proof of life? Can, you know, in whatever way you deem best. But if you lie about your dog... I won't believe you. Um, so we'll yeah, assume that's proof, one of your daughters. Proof of life. Or somebody else's dog. I think you just like the neighborhood dog walker or something. Yeah. Anyway. All right. All right. Uh, so, yeah, Barnabas, thanks for chatting today. Um, Dave, we look forward to your return next 
week, maybe. Um, or whenever you get back. Kind of look forward to it. Kind of. All right. Uh, so, listeners, leave your five-star rating and review. Um, do get some Ligaris Roasters Malcontents blend. You will love it if you haven't been drinking it regularly. It's much better than the other ones. Um, and we'll talk to you later. This is an Area Code podcast.